God is certainly worthy of our glorification of him. But one thing God will do, with or without us, is he will bring glory to himself. As we come through this time of the year, if I were to give you a blank check, what would you do with it? That wasn't exactly the response I was looking for. If I was given a blank check, I mean, there's all kinds of things. I'd be paying bills off. I'd be doing some college tuition. I'd be buying Carrie all the gifts that she really deserves. You know, there, I'd be helping people in need. There's all sorts of things I can think to do with a blank check, you know, especially this time of the year. And I'm sure you could think of some of the same things. And so I want you to think about that blank check. I want you to kind of file in the back of your mind because we're going to come back to it at the end of the service. But as we go through our sermon today, I want you to think about, man, what could I do with a blank check? As Jeshua said, this is our missions emphasis month, and we want to really highlight missions uh, and highlight uh, and really even take missions to an entirely different level than we've ever been as a church. This is a phenomenal missions-minded church, and uh, what we have done for missions, as we said last year uh, or, or last week, that we're going to uh, have uh, the, the missions offering at the end, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, the goal that we have is to put a minimum of one missionary family back on the field. Uh, if you've looked at all at Baptist Life, we're pulling a minimum of 500, as many as 800 of our missionaries off of the field because there's not enough money to keep them there. So our goal as a church is to put at least one back. That'll mean that we need to raise at least $51,400 just to put one. I'd love to see us put two back on the field, and that would be more than this church has ever given to missions. I want us to think about being sacrificial givers for the glory of God. I want all of us, every single one of us, to think about what does it mean to give sacrificially. But I want us to change what we think as far as giving to missions. I want us to think even more than this church has ever thought about giving to missions and what giving means. As we've looked at the gospel and we've looked at what our response needs to be to the gospel, it's far more than just giving an offering at the end of the year to missions. But hey, that's a great place to start. And so as we continue to look at what the Word of God says uh, you know, about His gospel and what our response needs to be, you know, we're going to take this whole month to emphasize missions and what our role is in missions. Now, I asked this question, and I hope the answer isn't a resounding yes, because I hope that you're really not like me, because uh, I've even been reminded this week that I'm a little bit weird, and that's okay, because that's the truth. I'm a little bit weird. And I love to ask questions. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever asked this question. I hope that you have, is why on earth did God create man in the first place? You ever think about that? I, I sure have, and, and I've wondered about that. If he is all-knowing and he knew how we'd end up, why did he do it in the first place? Was he bored? Was he lonely? I don't think so, because we had God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It wasn't because he was lonely that he created mankind. So why did he do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I want to hopefully give you the answer to that today. He did it for no other reason than to glorify himself. And so allow me to take you through the word of God from Genesis to Revelation that we see God's purpose for creating mankind. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, 
even in the beginning, and, and a lot of these verses are familiar verses, that God, speaking to Adam and Eve, it says, God blessed them, and we're going to see this show up numerous times as we look through these verses. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, God was not simply talking about procreation. Go, go have a bunch of babies and fill the earth. Yet, that's how we tend to look at this verse. Instead, what God was saying is, multiply my image bearers. We are the only of God's creations that are created in his image, that have souls. The only of his creation that have the ability to walk intimately in a personal relationship with God because we were created in his image. And so when God gave this command to Adam and Eve, he was saying, multiply my image bearers in such a ways that they would continue to bring me glory. One just about having kids. In Genesis chapter 12, we see God pursuing Abraham. And in verses 2 and 3, you know, God said to Abraham, go from your country and to your kindred and your father's house. Right? You know, and as we go, we go down and he says, and I will make you what? I will make you a great nation. And here we go again. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, dishonor those who curse you. And listen, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed because of you. God blessed him so that he could be a blessing to what? All the nations. You know, so it's rather interesting that as we look throughout Scripture, God allowed people, and here's the title of my sermon. The sermon today is that we would experience the awesomeness, the awesomeness and the magnificence of God's grace so that we can multiply his glory. I want you to catch that. We experience the magnificence of God's grace, God's blessings so that we can multiply his glory. And not just to those that live next door to us, but to all of the world. We see this in its culmination as John was doing the best he can to, to explain to us what he was seeing in his vision in, in Revelation 7, in verses 9 and 10. That as he's looking at this, he says, And I looked, and behold, I see this great multitude that no one could even count. And this multitude included every nation from all tribes and all people and all languages. And they are standing before the Lamb who's clothed in white robes. And they, are, they have palm branches. They're in worship of Him. They're crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All throughout the Word of God from the beginning to the end, we see that God's purpose in creating mankind was to bring Himself glory. And as we've looked so far at the American church and what the American church has made of church, I think we miss God's plan. We as the church are to multiply God's glory, to extend God's glory to all the nations, not just here in Williamsburg, but to all of the nations. And yet, I don't think we're doing that. And I think you would agree with me that we're not doing a very good job of that. If we're bringing up to 800 of our own missionaries off the field just in Southern Baptist life, perhaps we could be doing a better job. May I suggest that part of the reason that we're not where we need to be, is I think we become so enamored with the grace of God that we've separated from God's glory. 
But all throughout Scripture, you see God's grace and God's glory being one. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to all nations. I'm allowing you to experience my grace so that you will multiply and extend my glory. But yet in American Christianity, we have kind of separated the two. And I think one of the reasons is this. That if we were to ask people, even if I were to do a survey before church and I were to ask 10 of our own people, hey, describe for me the essence of Christianity. Here's what I believe people would say. Well, God loves me. Somebody else might add to that. God loves me and he sent his son to die for me. Now, would you all agree with that? I think we would. And may I suggest that what we have made American Christianity is that it's all about me. And therein lives the problem. See, that has been so impactful to even set somebody's car alarm off. And I hope it is that it does impact. Because I think all of us experience this, and I believe I've even been guilty of saying this. What do we do with John 3.16? We quote it and we say, God so loved the world, right? And then we stop and say, I want you to take the world out and do what? Put your name in. May I suggest that's American Christianity at its finest? What did God say about his word? Don't change even one dot. And what have we done with God's word trying to communicate the love of God? We have been guilty of changing God's word. We have taken the world out and made it all about what? Me. And that has produced a very dangerous dangerous Christianity. It's been all about me. And the next thing that typically happens when it's all about me is then we come to another fallacy is that I'm not called. Right? When it comes to evangelism and missions, that's for a select group of people that, you know, because it's all about me, that I'm not called to go overseas. I'm not called, hey, there is the gift of evangelism, therefore I don't got it, and so I don't have to share it. Are you with me that this is what we've made Christianity when it's all about me, then we don't have to go overseas. When it's all about me, there's other people that have that gift, and so they can go door to door and knock on people's doors, but I don't have to. When it's all about me, we miss the glorification of God Almighty. When it's all about me, We take the commands of God and we put them on a select group of people, but every one of us accepts the promises of God. Let me unpack this. When it comes to Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, go therefore into all the nations and proclaim the glory of God, right? What do we do? That's for a select group of people. Dave, that's for you. You're called, but not me. But then when it comes to Matthew 11, 28, Take my yoke upon you, because my burden is easy, my yoke is light, and and I will give you rest. Hey, that's for me. I want to take his yoke because it's light and it's easy, and he's going to give me rest. I'm not going to go, but I'll take that one. Or or Acts 1 and verse 8, that go be my witnesses everywhere, where you are in Jerusalem, and the ends of the earth. That's for a select group, but hey, John 10, 10, I'll take that one, that I have come that you may have life and you have it abundantly, that we'll take those promises for all, but his commands are for a select few. Here's what David Platt says, 
says we have unnecessarily and unbiblically drawn a line of distinction, assigning the obligations of Christianity to a few while keeping all the privileges of Christianity for ourselves. That's American Christianity. And we have gone down this slippery slope of it's all about me and, and myself included. And, and so desiring for people to experience the love of God have deviated from what John 3.16 is all about. God so loved the world. It's not about you. It's about all nations. It's about the world. And guess who's included in that? I am included in that. But it's not about me. It's about everybody. It's about the world. You see, when it's all about me, we change things. When it's all about me and something difficult happens in my life, then I get mad at God. Imagine if you were Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego that you're in a different country, you are a slave in that country, and then the king says, everybody's got to bow to me, and yet you say, I can't do that. And you know, because of this decree, that if you don't bow your knee to him, that you're going to end up in this fiery furnace. You see, when it's all about me, then we get mad at God, saying, God, why would you let that happen? But you see, it's not all about us. It's all about what? the glory of God and God bringing himself glory, that even in the midst of those circumstances, we go, God, I don't have a clue what you're about to do, but hey, I'm looking forward to see how you're going to bring yourself glory through this one. And then what happens? They get thrown into the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in, and what does he see? He doesn't see three, he sees four. And see, here's what happens when we understand that God is about bringing himself glory, even in the midst of the most dire of circumstances that we could possibly imagine, that here's what Nebuchadnezzar says in, in Daniel chapter 3. He answered this, and this is, this is the king who said, everybody has to bow to me. Here's what he said after the fact. He said, blessed be the God of who? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him and set aside the kings. He set aside my commands, and God yielded up their bodies rather than the service of worship until any other God except their own. Now listen, here's this pagan king who had previously said, you have to worship me. Here's what he said. Therefore... I'm making a decree, another decree, that any people, any nation, any language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn, check this out, this wouldn't be very politically correct to say today, would it? Shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. See, that's what God does. God glorifies himself in the midst of our circumstances. But when it's all about me, we get mad at God. God, why are you letting me get thrown into this fiery furnace? Listen clearly. Christianity is not about us. It's about the multiplication of God's glory. Instead, we ought to be like Paul, who in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 and 16, that God had so gotten a hold of his life and God has gotten so part of his life that he said this. He said, look, I am under obligation to both the Greeks and the barbarians. All those who don't know about God, I am under obligation to them, both to the wise and the foolish, so that I am eager to preach the gospel. Also, you are in Rome. He was desiring to come to Rome. And we like to quote this next verse, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everybody believes, both the Jew and also to the Greek. But we forget the ones that precede it. Right? I, hey, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but are you 
like Paul? Do you, because you're so unashamed of the gospel, do you feel obligated to share it with all those who don't know? See, we have made Christianity all about ourselves. We've made it about me. God has allowed us to experience the magnificence of his glory so the, or the magnificence of his grace so that we can multiply his glory all around the world. God allows us to go through difficult circumstances so he can glorify himself in such a ways that the kings of the world bow down to him and say there is no other God. Can you imagine what a local body of believers that is so sold out for the glorification of God might look like? Let me just share with you what it looks like in the members of some of our people here. These are all people that are members of this church. There's one man who one day went on a missions trip. And God got a hold of him. He got a passion for extending and multiplying the glory of God. And then he went on another trip. And then another trip, and then he started leading the trips and organizing the trips and taking people and training leaders of those leaders. Matter of fact, he left a, a successful career in radio and television, a successful career in Hollywood. He moved right here to Virginia to become a missionary. He left it all because God got a hold of his life to multiply his glory. And then he even started his own mission organization because he, he just had to be a part of doing whatever it took to multiply God's glory. That's what it looks like when somebody gets a vision for multiplying the glory of God, willing to forsake everything else to extend and multiply the glory of God. It looks like one of our own freshman students this year, our freshman in, in, in our own youth group, who looked at some of the other students in the youth group who were in the public school system, and they saw that the fruit that they were having in our own public schools, and this is what this girl did. She went to her parents and said, Mom, Dad, she was, she was homeschooled. And she said, I want to go to public school so that I can reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's somebody who gets extending God's glory. And guess where she's going to school? Our local public school. It looks like one of our, our members who had such a passion for the millions and millions and millions of lost people in India that he decided to go to India and he started a church and that church has been multiplied 127 different times because he decided to go that's somebody that understands the multiplication of God's glory looks like a widow who even in the midst of her grief is taking a missions trip to Africa here in March to continue the legacy of her husband to multiply the glory of God. That's what it looks like. It looks like one of our Sunday school classes, rather than meeting Sunday morning after Sunday morning after Sunday morning, they decided that they're going to meet on Saturday morning. And guess what they did? On, the, on their own accord. They came here, they bought a bunch of donuts, and they sit here right out here in the horseshoe, and they stand out there in the corner of the street, and they give out coffee and donuts. Why? To extend the glory of God. We have this crazy mission for this church to reach and impact 200,000 people with the gospel of Jesus Christ by the year 2020. Now, you might think that that number is absolutely ridiculous, and you might be wondering, what on earth are they putting in the coffee there at the office that Dave's drinking? Well, I personally think that 200,000 is not enough. 
I personally think that if a local body of believers would be sold out for the multiplication of God's glory, that God could do in two or three months with a body like that far more than 200,000 people that are reached and impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But my desire for us as missions, you know, missions is far more than what we've done historically. And we've done a lot historically. My desire for us to, as missions of a church is that we are doing so much that our heads can't even stay on straight. And God's glory is being magnified and multiplied all around the world through a few people in Williamsburg, Virginia. Then not only are we giving, and like I said, I would like to see us put two missionary families back on the year, which would be almost double what this church has ever given. But I'd like to see us putting four or five or six of our own people on the field. Permanently. I'd like to see that as this church grows, and by the way, I think that it's God's will for the multiplication of his glory that this church grow. That these walls cannot contain us. These walls are holding us back from the multiplication of God's glory. I believe that as this church grows, that we are, our goal is to put more and more and more people on the mission field. That every year, could you imagine that next year we send at least 50 of our own people on foreign missions trips? And the year after that, we doubled it to 100 of our own people on foreign mission trips? That's what we ought to be doing for the sake of missions. And that of those 50 and 100 people that go on foreign mission trips, that by and large, God might even call some of our own into full-time missions? That's the kind of missions that we want to be a part of. 200,000 people is nothing. To reach and to impact. Those two words were very intentionally chosen. To reach with the gospel and to impact. Have you ever considered that word impact? It means an intentional collision. To reach and to intentionally collide with those who don't know Jesus so that we can multiply God's glory by them accepting the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, that's what God is calling us to do. That's what God is calling us to do as a church. And so let's come back to this blank check, which, by the way, I hope everybody got inside your bulletins. And it says SMBC on it. And I'm sure all the people that are in charge of our finances are going, Dave, what are you doing? This check's a little bit different. We're not giving you a blank check. What we're asking is you to give God a blank check from you. What could God do if the 400 people that come within these walls on a Sunday were to say, God, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to extend your glory to all nations. What could God do? I'm going to ask that you take that blank check and that you prayerfully consider doing what I did years ago. This is just merely a representation of the first one. Are you willing to put in the line whatever it takes and to sign your name to it and say, God, because I've experienced the magnificence of your grace, I am willing to do whatever it takes to make your glory known to all the nations. That's a scary thing.
And that's what God's called each of us to do. Are we willing as a local body of believers to put this building up on the check? To say for the expansion of your kingdom, we're willing to do whatever it takes to extend your glory. Are we willing to give sacrificially of our finances to put people back on the fields? Are we willing to go ourselves this year on a missions trip to extend God's glory? Are we even willing that God might ask me or one of my children to go to the mission field? Are we really willing to do whatever it takes to multiply the glory of Jesus Christ? I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider this, but I'm also going to say, don't do it just because Dave's asked me to do it. I'm not asking. God is. My desire is this, that as a local body of believers, that we, here's mine, that we would take these and we'd put them on the altar, either today or sometime by the end of December, to say that we are really willing to do whatever it takes. As we come to our conclusion, I'm asking you to consider that. But I'm also asking you, as Jeshua's already shared, that maybe you, part of giving sacrificially is to take one of these children, these compassion kids, Carrie and I and the kids have over the last 20 years supported two of the two children to say, I'm willing to support one of these kids for the sake of the multiplication of God's glory. We're going to have two representatives from Compassion International down here. I wish that every one of these packet is gone, that you can come forward, put, put your check on the altar, come take one of these packets. All they're asking is that you take the time to fill it out with, you know, take the time and fill it out and give it back to them before you leave. Uh, so that we can see God's glory multiplied among the nations. I believe it's time to wake up a sleeping giant in the church in America and get on board with God glorifying himself. Are you, are you willing to do whatever it takes to multiply his glory? Let's pray. Father, we, we love your grace. And we're so thankful for it because, God, we are so undeserving. But, God, we so often forget about the multiplication of your glory that you don't give us your grace and ask nothing in return. So, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would testify with our souls that you have called us to be disciple makers of all nations. God, that you would convict us of taking the world out of John 3.16 and putting ourselves in there. Because, God, you died for all. And you've called us as your disciples to be a part of making your glory known to all the nations. And so, God, I pray that you would cause our hearts to be willing. Even though there might be some fear, there are hearts to be willing to say, God, whatever it takes. I'm willing to do whatever it takes and sacrifice whatever it is that you're asking so that your glory can be made known to all the nations. God, my prayer is that we'd see far exceeding and greater than 200,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ and be impacted with a gospel. That God, through our obedience, that you would bring yourself glory in ways that we can't take any credit for. So God, I pray that you would speak to your people.